How's everybody doing? Man, I love, I love my church. I love you guys. I just love y'all so much. I love you. Yeah, it's just, it's so good to be in a family environment that we're going to be hanging out for eternity with each other. So, man, I just, I love coming to church. If, if this is your first time being here, my name is Cameron, and uh, I'm the pastoral care pastor here. Uh, I'm over small groups, which we're going to be starting up. So we're going to need some ideas on how to connect uh, with each other this next semester because it's going to be, I wouldn't say challenging, it's just going to be different. Okay. So if you have some suggestions, send them my way. Also, I'm over uh, young adults, 18 to 30. Uh, We just hung out this past Friday. We hang out every other Friday um, so that I can have a date night with my lovely hot wife over here. So I got to have those Friday nights, at least one, at least two a month for my wife. Um, But we had a blast uh, this past Friday. And then uh, also I'm over... Um, pastoral care. So going to the hospitals, which I can't do right now. I tried to do it today and they wouldn't let me. So, uh, but when they open back up, I have a team that goes and visits uh, people in the hospital. I do it myself and I have a lot of fun doing it. I'm I'm just weird like that. Everybody's like, man, what is wrong with you? Like going to visit people in the hospital? I'm like, I feel like Superman when I come out. I mean, I just, I love it. So if you like doing that stuff, please come see me. Uh, You can be part of my team. Okay. Um, Speaking of Lindy, well, I just talked about her for a few seconds. <laughs> we celebrated 13 years of marriage yesterday. I'll tell you what, we've been through some ups, we've been through some downs, some growing up and all kinds of stuff. But uh, we're teenagers, 13 years, uh, our body's going through some crazy st- No, I'm just kidding. We're not. That comes later. No, it doesn't in Jesus' name. Our bodies remain the same until we die. Our youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't know. Do eagles renew their youth? Like, do they live forever? I've never really understood that. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm getting squirrely. They're strong. That's right. I'm getting squirrely, y'all. Um, I got to obey the Holy Spirit. Uh, he was speaking to me right here and reminded me of a verse. Crazy thing happened today. Uh, it's Lindy's grand, grandfather's 90th birthday today. And he is in a rest home. We went to go see him today, and he is, he's doing so good. And as we were leaving, we were doing the roundabout on Tryon, and there was this older lady that was stuck on the curb of the road. And I was like, what? And she was like this. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I hope she's alive. So I turned around, and I kind of put my flashers on, and she just looked in the rearview man. She goes like this and to go around her. And I was like, man, is she okay? So I looked behind. It was a two-lane Road and I, I, we down, I rolled down my window. I said, Ma'am, are, are you okay? And she goes, Oh, yes, yes, I'm fine. Plenty of people have come by here and, and asked if I was okay, but uh, I want you to go home. I want you to read this verse. And I was like, Okay. She said, I'm a pastor. I said, Okay. <laughs> so uh, she says, Psalms 32, 8 through 9. And of course, I'm driving, so I didn't get a chance to, to look at it. So Lindy looked it up. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, you need to start with this. Even though I have another verse that I'm going to be focusing on, I feel like this is going to set the stage for tonight. It says, I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it, a, don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. 
Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. I was like, man. I looked at Lindy. She started crying. I thought, that may have been an angel. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was, and I felt like I needed to start with that because I, I feel like somebody needed to hear that because I needed to hear it, okay? I'm gonna pray and we'll get started. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for um, this church. I thank you, Lord, for your body, um, that we get to be a part of, of your body, Jesus. And we get, we get to be a part of the intricate parts of, of you doing uh, amazing things on this earth. God, I pray that tonight, Lord, that you would impart something uh, to us. Um, God, I pray that you would uh, impart something in, even into me too, God, as I'm teaching God. We just, we just love you so much. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, guys, this, this teaching has kind of been brewing inside of me for about two months. Um, Mira said, hey, come up with a, a sermon. You know, you never know when you're going to be called upon to preach. And I said, okay. All right. So this was, I was sitting on my front porch and I read this verse and it just jumped off. I probably read it a thousand times, but for some reason it came, became revelation to me. It says uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom for so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image all right so we're going to be talking about how to see and reflect so we're going to be focusing more on verse uh, 18 in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. So how many of you have glasses or contacts, okay? How many of you <clears throat> remember the first time you put your, your glasses on or the first time you popped in those contacts? I have contacts. You remember? Okay. I remember I was nine years old. I was at RCA and I was on the playground facing this huge field and there was pine trees in the field, probably about two, 300 feet away. And I was playing, and then my mom came up, and she said, hey, I have your new prescription glasses. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I had glasses already, and I felt like I could see life pretty clearly. And so I took the glasses off. I took the new glasses on, and I put them on, and I went, oh, my gosh. I can see the pine needles. I can see the trees. I can see. And I went, I went, I kept going back and forth to my old prescription and my new prescription. And my mind was completely blown because honestly, I felt like I was wasting my time putting these new or my glasses on because I couldn't see anything different. I thought, and then I saw through another lens and life became alive to me. So tonight, um, we're going to be talking about that. As followers of Jesus, we are called to see and reflect, watch, learn, and implement what we've learned. And some of us may do this pretty well, and some of us may need a friendly reminder. And I'm that friendly reminder tonight, okay? So the first thing we're going to be talking about is in verse 16. It says, the veil has been taken away. Let's read that. Verse 16, it says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. When I came to Jesus for myself at the age of 20, um, I, I saw life through a brand new lens. Um, 
I didn't, my, I didn't see myself the same way, and I didn't see others the same way. And most of all, I remember seeing people around me completely different. It was almost like the veil literally had been like taken off of my eyes, and I saw pain in people's eyes that I'd never seen before. Um, for the, yeah, for the first time, I saw pain in people's eyes, um, and I wanted them to experience the same freedom that I, I experienced. And I, had, I, I felt like I had the heart of Jesus for the first time. I didn't even ask for it. It was just something I was like, God, I want to follow you, and whatever I need to do to follow you, just help me. To, I don't even remember saying, God, give me your heart, but it was just almost like I got his heart, and I started seeing myself and seeing other people in a completely different way, and this compassion and the love for people just overtook me. And let's talk about the Greek word for veil. It is kalupta, which means to cover up or hide. So the life we live um, without God is a life of smoke and mirrors. How many of you guys are experiencing that right now? I mean, it's, it's almost like you don't know what to believe or, or how to believe. If you're not walking with God, it's easy to fall for the smoke and mirrors and deception. Um, this life is shrouded in darkness and only leads, if you follow that, that, that false, the, the smoke and mirrors and deception, it always leads to misery and eventually to death. So many are comfortable living in, in this deception because it's the only home that they've ever lived. They've kind of lived in darkness. They've lived in that shroud and they, they don't, they don't want to get out of it because it's, it's been home for so many years. That's why you see so many women uh, stuck in a relationship or going from a relationship to relationship that are abusive because that's the only home that they've ever known. Or, they are, or a guy is in, a, in an abusive relationship to where uh, the, the woman is cheating on, on the man and she, he just falls for anybody that gives him attention and he keeps falling in the same deception over and over. And he's just like, well, you know, my first girlfriend cheated on me. I guess that's just, that's just acceptable. And it's not. It, you, like you're, you're living in a lie. Um, so in Acts 22, Paul talks about his past life before Christ. You guys know about Paul. Uh, before he knew Christ and before uh, he met Jesus, he was killing Christians. Crucif- like, he was like murdering Christians and he was thinking in his mind, man, I'm doing the work of the Lord. Man, I, God's going to be proud of me when I get to heaven. I'm going to walk in and be like, look at all these Christians I killed. And, and, you know, and until he met the man Jesus, until he had an encounter with Jesus, man, he was living in a lie. He was living in deception. But until that, that veil had been taken off, he saw life completely different. You guys know the rest of the story. Um, and in verse 6 through 15, Paul met Jesus for the first time, for who he truly was, um, on his way to Damascus. Why? Uh, was he never the same again? It was because that veil had been pulled off of his eyes, and he saw life through I would say like an infant, like a new baby in a different world. Like, whoa, man. And of course, he made things right because <laughs> he wrote most of the New Testament. So in John 1, 13, it says, They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. It's a supernatural birth that you cannot describe. You cannot manufacture. It's something that happens on the inside of you, and it just, oh, just 
comes out of you and it changes the way you see, the way you interact with people um, and everything. So for the majority of my early life, the enemy had had that shroud over my eyes. I saw myself in a completely different way. I didn't have really a lot of uh, respect for myself and I, I really craved the approval of the wrong people around me. Um, I had no respect for myself. I, I just wanted to fit in, be popular, and look good to those around me. That's the only thing that, I, that mattered, no matter if it got me into trouble, no matter if it hooked me up with um, some crazy friends that wanted me to do some crazy things. I just wanted to feel accepted and loved. Um, but when that shroud was taken off, I suddenly had respect for myself, and I didn't really care if I had approval from those wrong friends again. They would try to get me to do the things that I... I I really didn't want to do, but I, 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 I kind of wanted to do them to get the approval. And then I just didn't really care. And the only thing that I cared about was Jesus and getting to know him better. And I wanted them to know it. I wanted them to know the, the freedom that I had experienced. And I wanted them to see themselves the way I saw myself. And that's the only thing that I cared about. And, you know, there were certain friends that I had to kind of let go because they, they didn't see the same things that I saw, or they didn't want to be free. They were in that, that rut. They were in that shroud of darkness, and they were like, nope, this is, this is my safety. I don't want to go outside of this because that's uncomfortable. They would go to church. They would have conviction. They would give their life to Christ, but they didn't want to live in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. So in verse 16, it says that everyone who has come to the Lord, the veil has been taken away. It doesn't say some that come to the Lord. It says everyone that has come to the Lord... So if you're listening to me and you haven't had that dramatic veil uncovering moment in your life where everything in your life dramatically changes, um, you have to think, am I really, this is my next point, am I really following the man Jesus or the religion of Jesus and the traditions of Jesus? Okay? Because following Jesus, the man, has completely different results than following Jesus, the religion. Okay, eternal lasting results only come from knowing Jesus personally and and true uh, and, and through true repentance. Knowing Jesus and Him imparting something to you, telling you to turn from your ways, and you completely turning—that is where true results come from. It's not okay, Jesus. I get my uh, you know I get my my ticket out of hell. And I think I'll just run on back to my stuff that I know, I know I'm not supposed to, but Jesus, you saved me. <laughs> and then you fall into the deception again, and then you fall away from God. And then you, you know, some fall into it so bad that it actually takes their life. And so Jesus is like, I set you free, but you don't want to be free. Okay? So Jesus is the lens by which we see God and, and see him clearly. When we try to view God through another perspective... All we see is a lie. If we try to substitute seeing God through another lens, it's only going to lead to deception. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. Second Chronicles seven fourteen it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Man, can you see that our land in America needs to be restored? It first starts with repentance 
acknowledging Jesus as our Savior, and then turning from our wicked ways. And, it, and it's not about like, okay, well, the Bible says this. Yes, you should definitely listen to the Bible, but also, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you personally of what you need to do? Because the only way that he's gonna restore your personal land is if you turn, it says, if, let me just read it. It says, I will, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins, which he's already done, and then he will restore their land if you humble and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. He doesn't just forgive and then, up. Oh, that's it. You saw, you know, you, you see the veil being taken off. You see life through a different eyes and great. No, there's a little, there's a little bit more. You got you to you gotta, you gotta work this salvation out. So see, a lot of us, we see the veil un, undone and we're like, man, there's a bunch of hurting people out here. That sucks. Well, at least I'm going to heaven. And then you walk away. And then, but a lot of us do that. A lot of us do that. Okay? That's right. We got to have responsibility. We got to take responsibility. Um, the only way that we're going to see change in our own personal life is through humbling ourselves through the authority of Jesus Christ and the leading of Him. Pray and repentance from our old life. Don't forget to pray. Got to pray. All right? Now, my second one is there's freedom. Verse 17. Let's read that. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So once this veil has been removed, there is an indescribable freedom that takes place in your heart and in your life, if you let it. They are, they are free from the lies and the limitations that the enemy has placed on them from many years before. Maybe some of you have been in bondage mentally forever, as long as you can think. Some of, some of you have been in, in bondage ever since your teenage years, maybe even your elementary years, okay? So when Jesus comes and he sets you free, he sets you free from the intoxicants of the enemy and the lies of the enemy so that you can actually think straight. You can actually think like God, okay? Beforehand, the only choices that you could make were under the veil of confusion darkness, and only what pleased your flesh. I, I, t I was talking to my cousin. Whenever he first came to God, he was doing drugs. He was doing a whole bunch of other stuff. And he said, dude, he's like, whenever I came to Jesus, he's like, I actually feel bad about what I'm doing right now. Before, I, man, I was having fun when I was sinning. But it was because that veil had been taken off of his eyes and he saw, man, I'm hurting. I'm hurting myself. I'm really hurting God. Because Jesus dwells inside of me, and I can't continue going down that wrong road. And so he said, actually, life became really hard whenever he, he accepted Jesus into his life. See, a lot of people think, well, if I accept Jesus, man, everything's going to be rosy, and everything's going to be awesome. And it is to a certain degree. But you got to think, like, now you have convictions. You have the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you that's rubbing against that flesh and that's not natural. That's not from God. And so that has to get out. So um, now the veil has been taken off away, and there's a freedom and a liberation that has taken place in your spirit to actually choose what pleases God. Let's go to the Amplified Version. My brother Joshua loves the Amplified Version, so I'm going to please him right here. <laughs> uh, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty emancipation from bondage, 
true freedom. So now you are free to think for yourself instead of living in the bondage of the enemy and your flesh thinking for you. So if you can, if you can think before knowing Jesus, you were literally in a prison. You were a prison of your own mind. Now your mind has been set free. So now you can think for yourself. The, the Holy Spirit can actually speak to you truth. Beforehand, that veil was covered. The only thing you could see was deception, okay? John eight thirty six. Some of you guys already know this. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. All right, y'all know the word. So now you are free to live your life the way God meant you to live it. So this is my next one to see and reflect, which is kind of what my whole sermon is about. Verse 18, it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Now, about seven years ago, me and Lindy went to Gatlinburg. How many of you guys have been to Gatlinburg? How many of you guys have ever been to the Christmas Inn? Hot, isn't it awesome? You get cookies and Santa comes. It's in the middle of July. And Santa comes down with like milk and cookies at night. And they're, man, I loved it. Of course, they have like an indoor pool. So uh, me and a couple, our, a couple of our friends, we went and we went swimming. And we probably went, got down there about 1030. We were swimming and got in the, Lindy likes the jacuzzi. So we got in the jacuzzi and then uh, everyone kind of left. And it was probably about 12 o'clock. And I said, hey, Lindy, I know you don't know how to swim. You want to sw- learn how to swim? She goes, it's 12 o'clock. And I was like, and? We're on vacation. <laughs> you know, what else are we going to do? So at 1 o'clock, in the, actually it took about an hour. At 1 o'clock in the morning, Lindy swam for the first time by herself. And, but it was because I, I modeled it. I said, hey, you do this, 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 all this stuff. <laughs> Maybe not all that. Um, but I modeled what she was supposed to do. And I said, hey, copy me. Do this and you, you'll be able to swim. And so the first time this past May, we went on a, uh, a staff retreat. And she swam in the deep end for the first time because she imp- she actually incorporated what she had learned seven years ago, how to actually swim and tread water in the shallow wind. So uh, I say that because now that the veil has been removed, we move on to seeing and reflecting Jesus, who he truly is. So some of us, we stop at the seeing part, and then we think that that's, that's, all, there is, that's all there is to salvation, like I said before. But I remember the first time when I went back to Wake Tech, um, after I got saved, I was, I was literally right in front of the library. Uh, class had just ended, and I was just standing there by myself, and I just sat there, and I looked out, and Jesus was like, I, I, I could, it was almost like an audible voice. He said, these are my people, and I love them, and they're hurting, and they need to hear from me. And the only way that some of these people are going to hear from me is, is through you. And I said, well, uh. And it was just like, I just felt it. And I knew that I had to, like, since I saw through his eyes, I had to do, it was like this, this uncontrollable feeling that I had to reflect what had been done to me. And so I said, God, I'll, I'll serve you any way I can. And I, I said, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I'm going to study and I'm going to try my best. And he said, I want you to start a Bible study right there. And it was in the middle of the picnic table, in the middle of the, 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 the hanging out area where all the students hang out. And I'm like, God, I don't know anybody. And I don't know nothing about God. I don't know nothing. And he's like, well, it's time to learn. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, God. And so it just happened. I ran into a girl. Her name was Jess, and she played the guitar. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about starting like a Bible study like next week. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I play, I play for it. She's like that. She's really hyper. So I was like, yeah, I need you. And so <laughs> she sat uh, on a picnic table, started just playing and started singing and people started coming. Like there was probably 30, 40, 50 people started gathering around. And I was like, I, I was terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to speak to all these people. But then all of a sudden, man, like people started getting saved. The ministry started growing. And then I actually, uh, I talked to the dean of students and thank God she was a Christian because it started getting really cold outside. <laughs> and I was like, we got to go inside. So she's, I'm not really supposed to do this because you're not technically a private club. I, there is a room that I can give you. Uh, she's like, because I, I believe in what you're doing. She's like, I'm not allowed to do this, but I'm a Christian myself. You can have this room. So I had the room. We still met. And I'm telling you, that ministry grew and grew and grew. And what I did is I, I, I saw and I immediately reflected. I didn't wait until I went to college, to Bible college, or I didn't feel like, okay, well, God, maybe after a certain amount of time, I, I could be qualified. No, he was just like, I need you to start now. And wherever you are, and that's what I challenge you, is wherever you are in your walk with God, don't wait until you feel like you're ready. Start reflecting right now. Start reflecting the, the revelations that God has put on the inside of your heart right now. It may be your friends. It may be your family. Uh, it may be your coworkers through Skype or through, you know, Facebook, you know, not fa yeah, Facebook, uh, Zoom, like any way that you know that you can influence and you can reflect what God has done in you, do it now. Because I'm telling you, the way things are going right now, I don't know how long we're going to be here. And so there's an urgency that I can feel from the Holy Spirit that we are sitting on our butts way too much. And we're busy seeing the world through hurting eyes and not doing and reflecting or doing anything about it. Okay? <sighs> I had to say that. Sorry. All right. Um, so how are you reflecting God? Okay, I already said that. <laughs> um, sometimes we don't even know that we're reflecting Jesus to others because it's actually the spirit that is working in us. Moses didn't even know he was shining the glory of God. It says in Exodus 34, 29 through 35, Moses came down from Mount Sinai. You remember that? He was coming down, just did the Ten Commandments uh, on the two two stone writings in his hand. It says he did not know that his skin on his face was shining because of his speaking with the Lord. And so sometimes we're not gonna know that the Holy Spirit is, is speaking through us. It's gonna come up organically. And we're not gonna have to manufacture it or try. It's just gonna come up in a conversation. I, I find that all the time in my neighborhood and the way I interact with just people in public. It just comes out of me because the glory is inside of me in my relationship with God. Because that's what it says. It says that uh, he did not know that the skin on, on his face was shining because of his speaking with the Lord. So his time with God, just speaking with him on the mountain, made him glow. Now, we have the Holy Spirit only inside of us right now. And the intimate time that we have with him should be glowing in our workplace, should be glowing wherever we go, okay? So reflecting should be organic, not forced. Um, what you show to the world should be a reflection of your time with Jesus or 
the lack thereof. Okay? Sometimes reflecting doesn't look like preaching or teaching. It looks like serving and humbling yourself and humbling that pride that you have. Okay, Matthew 20, 28. Jesus is the perfect example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for so many people. Okay? And, you know, Mira's talking about, hey, we can, we, can, we can do a serve day. This is a perfect opportunity for us to serve the community, to be a reflection of Jesus to the world. Okay? Um, reflecting sometimes looks like paying for someone's meal unexpectedly. Reflecting looks like taking care of the elderly, the widows, the poor, and maybe talking nicely to somebody that actually hates you, that has a, a vendetta out to get you. And you, can, and you know it. And you just come up and you're like, man, I love you, man. You're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I love you. And just give them a hug. Even if they, well, they might have the, the six inch. Just, just high five them, maybe. But you, what, I, what I'm talking about is like we, sometimes we react the, the word of God says that they will know us, they will know God by the way we treat each other and by the way, the love that we have for each other. And he said, based, uh, I think Paul talks about that even unbelievers, they treat each other with respect, but even unbelievers um, treat each other with respect. But then also, if we're, if we're uh, in, a, in a situation where we know that the other person doesn't like us, but then we treat them with kindness, that shows the love of Christ is on the inside of us. And a lot of people are like, man, you should be chewing this person out. You should be cussing them out. And you're like, nope, I've got the love of Christ in me. I can't do that anymore. That old life is, is gone for me. And I'm, I'm telling you, that witnesses, okay? All right, when we reflect, we change. Verse 18, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The more we reflect Jesus to others, the more we become one with him. And he starts changing us into himself. So if, he exam- if we examine our life and realize that we have not changed our ways after having that veiled, lifted, it's probably because we aren't reflecting what we've experienced. Jesus starts to change us internally through that spiritual change. That change starts seeping into every part of who we are as a person if we allow him. We have free will, okay? We can allow him to work and allow him to stop, okay? Um, Jesus will never trump our free will. In this, it changes the way we interact with others, the way we see ourselves and how we influence others because it's the spirit who is working in us, not us. We can try to change ourselves, but eventually we're gonna go back to default mode. How do you guys, how many guys know about that? Like, I know my default mode, and it is horrible. <laughs> I have some horrible habits. If I don't rely on Jesus, I can go right back into my old sin, and I know exactly what I can end up being, a druggie and a sex addict. I know it. That, like, that's my, like, I know if I'm not, if Jesus is not in me, I would probably be that. So if you can kind of examine your life and say, man, like, that is totally me. Like, <laughs> I would be that if it wasn't for Jesus. Um, we don't work or change ourselves. Jesus works in us just as much as we allow him. Um, I kind of thought about this, like the, how many guys have ever had to use a spare tire whenever you had a flat, okay? I have known some people that have actually used that spare tire way longer than they were supposed to. <laughs> they rode that thing about like 200 miles. And I mean, for what I understand, I think it's only supposed to get you to like the mechanic, for what I understand. 
So, but we got some people that are just like, man, I ain't got no money. And if you ain't got no money, that's totally cool. I just would not ride with you because <laughs> I like my life and I don't want to be splatted on the, the pavement. So um, some of us, were spiritually, we're relying on ourselves way too much. We're relying on that spirit tower. We're relying on, I would say, maybe one church service a month to get us through one prayer a month, to get one scripture a week, to get, get us through that week. And we don't have that relationship with Jesus. We don't have, we're, we're dependent on that spare tire. And, you know, that, that spare tire is only going to last so long. So what we need to do is get that spare, yep, that, that, that scripture, that prayer is supposed to lead you to that relationship with Jesus and that ongoing talking to him. Uh, but you're not supposed to rely on that little spare tire for the rest of your life. Okay, um, when we try to fix bad habits or wrong patterns of thinking in our life on our own, kind of already said that, but uh, self-help books are by sheer will without incorporating Jesus into the plan. We, in essence, rely on that spare tire to get us along in life. It'll work for a while, but eventually we're going to be stranded again on the side of the road. We're meant to go to Jesus, which is the mechanic. Jesus is the fixer of all things, and he will eternally change us. There, I got a, uh, how many guys like Oswald Chambers? Have you guys heard of Oswald Chambers? He's, right, he's a theologian from 1800s. Love his book. Um, it says, there is no heaven that has a little corner of hell in it. God is determined to make you pure, holy, and right. And he will not allow you to escape from the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit for even one moment. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. And then the last uh, statement from Oswald, it says, the moment you are willing for God to change your nature, his recreating forces will begin to work. And the moment you realize that God's purpose is to get you into the right relationship with himself, and then with others, he will reach to the very limits of the universe to help you take the right road. Man, that's so good. Woo! So our part is to seek after him and allow him to work in us, which can be kind of uncomfortable at times. Um, it also means that you're going to have to give up control. And that is very hard sometimes. How many of you guys have ever had surgery? I've had surgery on my knee. All right, I was scared out of my mind until I, they gave me that pre-medicine to get into the operating room. And I was like, "Woo! I can't wait to get a surgery. Yeah, you know. Um, but there's, a, there's an element of, of where you have to say, okay, I trust what you're going to do inside of me is going to better me. And so there's an element that we have to give up to the surgeon of all surgeons, which is Jesus and there's, some, there's certain things that we have to give up saying, God, I don't really want to give this up. I don't want to give up this habit. But God, you're in, a, you're in control and I'm going to follow after you. I'm going to turn from this. And I've been relying on this. This was my veil. This was what I had been living in. But God, I trust you more. I know that you, you know a lot. You know me better than I know myself. And God, I'm going to feel out of control. But then once you let go, I hate to say this, you let go and let God like you really, <laughs> it's like you let go, but you, you, you leap into the arms of the father. And there is this, this peace that comes upon you that you can't describe. Cause I felt it y'all. I felt it. 
because I've, I've let go of things that I had no control over and I, I leaped into the arms of Jesus and there is no, there is nothing on this earth that can come close to that, that reality. It's not a feeling. It's a reality, y'all. I'm telling you. Feel it. Um, <clears throat> so let's go to, how many guys love Ravi Zachariah? I mean, he, he, uh, he's a theologian that passed away probably about a little over a month ago. He was, man, he was one of my spiritual heroes. If you guys get a chance, check him out. Um, he's absolutely amazing. But he has this, this statement that just really rocked me. It says, if you do not believe that God is in control and he has formed you for a purpose, then you will flounder on the high seas of, the, of purposelessness, drowning in the currents and drifting further into nothingness. That's where some of us have been. And some of us may be all right now. We don't really truly trust God and we're walking life in an aimless way. And I'm telling you, like, and the enemy loves it. The enemy loves you walking around aimlessly, not trusting, fully trusting Jesus to be the surgeon of your life. But I'm telling you, once you give it over to him, he's going to prove himself to you over and over and over and over. I am a witness. Now, let me just say that everything in my life has not been perfect, far from perfect. But I'm telling you, every time that I, I depend on Jesus and I obey him, what he's told me to do, he always shows up, always shows up. All right, my last point is becoming one with Christ. I know I've kind of said a lot tonight. Um, the way we treat others has a lot to do with how we see ourselves. Hurt people, hurt people. You guys know that statement? Hurt people, if you've, hurt, if you've been hurt, you're gonna hurt other people. If we start seeing our lives in the right way, we'll inevitably start treating others in the right way. This is my next point. Seeing ourselves as one with Christ and identifying with him is key to dramatically changing the way we treat others and ourselves. So ask yourself these questions. Uh, do I constantly see myself making unwise decisions? Do I find myself in bad or abusive relationships like I said before? Do I lose my temper with others often? Do I stay in a state of depression? Um, you know, if you answered yes to any of these questions, may, questions, it may be because you're seeing yourself in the wrong light. Um, and many people think that when they, be, when they meet that right person, Okay, they've been waiting for their whole life. Their life will be complete. Or maybe if I take that one hit from that one thing, I'll feel complete. Or if I can just get that job or get that salary that I've always wanted, get that house, get that car, I'll finally feel complete. If I can just get revenge on that person that did me wrong, I'll finally feel complete. Because I've done that a thousand times in my head. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, if I can just have a good day without falling into a depression, I'll finally feel complete. So it's, it's almost like we're concentrating all these things and we're not concentrating on Jesus. It says, I, I said, nothing will ever complete you like Jesus. Well, let's go to Colossians 2, 9 through 10. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ. Let me just say that again. So you are also complete. You are complete with your relationship and your oneness with Christ. Nothing will ever substitute 
your oneness with, with, with God, okay? Who is head over every ruler in authority. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, not later, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Isn't that so neat? That like you are a part of the creator of the universe. You can be a knee. Like wh- whenever I look at my knee, that's Cameron right there. Right there, that's, that's Cameron. This eyeball right here, this is Cameron. It's not, a, it's not separate from Cameron. This eyeball, I know it sounds funny, but this eyeball is Cameron. This eyebrow, this eyebrow is Cameron. This arm is Cameron. So when we are apart, we are one with Jesus Christ. We're not separate. A lot of us kind of see, oh, I'm just an elbow. No, you're a part of Jesus. And that's amazing that we get to be that. So you are an intricate part of the body of Christ, meaning that you are one with him. I, I will say this, I'm a better person than I was when I was 20 years old when Jesus found me for the first time and when I gave my life over to him. I handle my life a lot better. Uh, I make better decisions. I think differently about myself and others. I don't seek revenge. Um, I found my purpose in life. Over the years, I've, uh, I've become more and more like Jesus. I know that uh, nothing completes me more than an intimate relationship with him. And I'm working on that relationship every single day. And I'm standing up here. I got plenty of, plenty of flaws. And Jesus is still working on me. And will work on me until I take my last breath. But I want to encourage you to see and reflect Jesus in your daily life. Only then will you live your life the way you were meant to live, which is in him. All right? So I got some last points I want to make. It's action points. I want you to apply this to your life. If we have ever, if we've never taken time to take that veil off of our lives and give our life to Jesus and that dramatic life change has never happened before, ask for that veil to be taken off and to give your life fully to Christ. Only then you'll truly see life through Jesus's lens. Number two, start looking for opportunities to see Jesus in your daily life. Some of us, we don't even take time to see Jesus. We're so busy. Some of us have been forced to, to slow down because of this uh, coronavirus. And it's been, for me, it's been, in my family, it's been one of the best things that's ever happened. It's because we've been forced to slow down, to talk to Jesus, and we don't have anywhere to go but just talk to him. Number three is start serving and reflecting what you've learned from your personal time with Jesus to the people in your sphere of influence, okay? Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that guides our thoughts. I thank you so much, Jesus, for coming and sacrificing yourself so that we can be free. And the Word of God says that once we're free, we're free indeed. And God, I thank you for um, providing a way that we can see life through your eyes. We don't have to have that veil of confusion and darkness over our life anymore. And God, I pray for everyone here that may be dealing with that veil, that every once in a while they like to take that thing and put it right back on and they want to live in that darkness. God, I pray for that person today, whether it be like anxiety, whether it be depression, whether it be pornography, whether it be lying, whatever it is, God, that they're engaging in their old lifestyle, they're engaging in that darkness again. God, I pray that that veil would be removed from their life from this point on and they would would never take it back, that they would see themselves as free. They would see themselves 
as one with you. Because God, I feel like that if they truly see themselves as one with you, that it can dramatically change the way they live. God, I pray that your words would pierce their hearts. God, I pray the scales would fall off of their eyes, that they'll see you for the first time, that they would not know you as their religion and not just the way that we're brought up, but God, that they would know you as a person, that they would intimately know you as their best friend. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name. Amen. Amen.